Tēnā koutou e te whānau nau mai hoki mai o tāringa ki a mātou reo. Ko Postion Bliss te ingoa o tēnei kōnei upurangi, a te wāhanga toa whātou. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. Kia ora and welcome to episode four of Postion Bliss whānau. Oh yes, how good to be back for episode four. Here we are. We haven't been on the um, post-gym bliss for a wee while. And um, excitingly, for the very first time ever, we have a guest speaker. We do, bro. How good. Exciting. Before, we, before I get into that, though, huge shout out to Blake for raising the cash for mental health back in November, mate. But, oh, um, you know, bro. You've got to have some excuse to grow a filthy lip duster on the old, uh, on the moe, on the old <laughs> upper lip. <laughs> Mad respect, my bro. Mad respect. Oh, but um, who's joining us today, Blake? Yeah, bro. It's um, with great pleasure that I'm able to uh, introduce a, a good friend of mine to uh, Post Gym Bliss, um, Mr. Corey Glover. Uh, who's joining us today. So for those of you who don't know, Corey is a very famous physiotherapist uh, currently working alongside the Wellington Phoenix Football Club. So he's actually the physio over in Sydney at the moment. So he's joining us live from Sydney. Um, yeah, so on behalf of our listeners, Corey, mate, we'd uh, love to extend a warm welcome to you. So welcome to Post and Bliss. Wow, we... What an honor to have you join us, my bro. Not every day do I get to talk to someone famous, eh? Man, welcome to our podcast, my bro. Can you tell me a bit more, mate, about what is our Kiwi Toolbox? Yeah, so um, our Kiwi Toolbox is um, something I have been kind of mulling over during the first lot of lockdowns with, uh, you know, everyone having a lot of time on their hands. Um, as... I think going through uni, coming out of uni, um, I went through a bit, a bit of an adventure, I guess, um, with my own mental health and, and learning, uh, I guess you could say, when, when things don't go right. Um, I think I had a, a very good upbringing and a lot of things going right. And then, uh, yeah, when things go wrong is probably where you figure out you know, where your mental health is and, and how you deal um, you know, when things aren't going right. Um, so went on a bit of an adventure myself and, and learned the ins and outs of my, my brain worked. And um, I guess that's probably where a lot of my realisation of I've got to live with anxiety for a long period of time um, came from. Um, and so, yeah, kind of learning more and more about it. Um, I guess we'd heard a lot through uni, through our physio um, you know, lectures and stuff. It was always... Uh, talking about anxiety and depression with, with different groups. Um, and I never really associated that with myself. Um, and so, yeah, when I did kind of come to the recognition, I was like, oh, crap, that's actually me that they're talking about all the time. And there's heaps of cues I kept wow. picking up on. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, well, this is actually me that they're talking about. Um, and, you know, realizing that there were so many periods in my life that I've, I've retreated from and probably missed out on because of my um, anxiety. Um, it was kind of the first, first I guess, uh, cog in the wheel of, of creating uh, our Kiwi Toolbox. Um, and so I guess I started talking to a few of my family members about it 
um, about my anxiety and, and then my friends and saying, you know, I've been dealing with this for, for uh, you know, four or five years now and it's kind of impacting heaps of different areas of my life. Um, and then from that, there were quite a few like really good conversations that came from that within my family and within um, my friend groups and then their friend groups. And I was like, oh, this is, this is like way more uh, prevalent than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that, that kind of, yeah, got, got more cog sitting, I guess. And, and, you know, I had quite a few people coming to me and talking to me about uh, their struggles that they were going through. Um, these are really close friends that I was like, well, I, I would not have picked up um, that you were dealing with all these things. Um, and, and yeah, just kept, I guess, snowballing from there. Um, and I came to the conclusion, I was like, shit, everyone in New Zealand you know, is, is, has mental health. Um, that was probably the first big point um, that I'd try to get across with our Kiwi toolbox is that every single Kiwi has mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's not until you go through a bit of a rough patch that you start to then require your own toolbox to deal with that. Um, I think a lot of us go through um you know thinking it doesn't affect me it will never affect me until something you know i would maybe catastrophic is the right word until something really hits you in the face or someone that you are really really close with um has goes through something similar that, that um you know these things start to be become more apparent um and and i guess yeah the first column on on an instagram page of our kiwi toolbox is the prevalence or the incidence of um, mental health issues within uh, a certain demographic so that's where you know everyone has mental health whether you're um, you know, a physio um, a PT whether you're male or female um, doesn't matter what age you are what ethnicity what religion um, what occupation you have but it, it does not matter every single one of us has mental health um, and so that was I guess the overarching one of the overarching uh, characteristics of this page that I started um, and then the second part of it is, you know, if everyone does have mental health, then how do we deal with that in New Zealand? Um, and I think, you know, statistically, um, it's quite obvious. And, and for me, um, you know, seeing it, uh, the first one is probably alcohol. Um, whenever something bad goes wrong, uh, our, our generation and the generations before us um, tend to lean towards alcohol, which we know is, is probably one of the worst tools that we could use. Um, and then that starts to, to bring in uh, domestic violence. Um, and then, you know, it starts to take over into the anxiety, the depression, and then ultimately suicide as, as one of our highest uh, tools that we use to deal with our mental health, um, which is extremely negative. But I think that's the reality that we face. Yeah. Um, and so then that was the, the flip side of creating, you know, the toolbox was to be like, right, um, can we create a bit of a shift away from those um, and you know what other tools are out there that we could pass on to, to our kids or, or you know, ourselves um, rather than leaning towards those those negative ones mm. bro that's that's awesome eh? I, I, it sounds like you know there's a lot of inspiration behind um, you know our Kiwi toolbox and just listening to that corridor was was awesome man like what a way to um, you know have an important such an important resource out there for um you know kiwis to access and best of all all for free man so yeah just massive me to you for all your hard work for that man was there anything else that um obviously you did talk a bit about your inspirations but was there anything else that you could think of that inspired you to um you know 
have this free platform where you're literally getting, you know, professional athletes, um, people in, you know, awesome uh, jobs and, and good places in this in society um, to mm. have a chat with yourself and provide a little bit of information there. Yeah, I guess um, there's a, a couple. Um, I think one of them was, you know, having conversations with people one-on-one is great um, at a, like, a foundation level. But, like, as a physio, I think you'd, 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 um, you'd be able to understand that it is quite fatiguing um, in terms of constantly having to be aware of underlying issues going on and having, you know, those conversations constantly you know we could be what between 20 and 10 and 20 people per day um you know you feel on one one side of the coin you feel really good because you're helping these 10 to 20 people but on the other side of that it is extremely fatiguing um and i i found through doing that trying to make a change like that is isn't sustainable um and i think um yeah having those one-on-one conversations are good um but then it's like that the the campaigning that we do you know the mental health runs that we do and the fundraising and the campaigning with those it's very much the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff situation it's like you can only do that for so long and i think that's you know what counselors and psychologists also face is is that fatigue from doing it so frequently whereas if we went the other way about it and and, you know we we were the fence at the top of the cliff with with different tools and we were able to teach that educate that and filter it down from the from the top down um, I think that's just a much more efficient way um, and sustainable way of doing it. Mm. Um, and, and so that was, that was probably one, yeah, one, one massive part of starting it. Um, and, and like, it's very nerve wracking to be able to put myself out there and do that. Cause I'm not the biggest person to create something that a lot of people can see. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's just a huge driver of my anxiety. So for me to make that jump uh, was difficult. Um, but then yep. you look at the flip side, I was like, if I can impact, you know, one person's life by doing this and, and providing some tools that helps one person, like, then it is worth doing a million times over. Mm. Um, so that, w- that was probably one, one big inspiration for doing it. The other one would be, um, you know, you know that I'm very close with my family. Mm. Um, and I think learning about my own anxiety, um, I've had to go back and, and learn what tools that my parents and my very close friends and my, you know, my grandparents and my sibling um, have given me um, and learning about, you know, what, what tools that they've got and, and why they are the way they are, um, you know, what, what tools were given to them. And I can't remember who said it, but um, something that resonated with me was um, every person is dealing with life as best they can with the tools that they were given. Um, and I think, you know, the less tools you have, the, the, the worse off you're probably going to be in a lot of different situations, especially the tough ones. Um, and that resonates hugely in my family because um, we have a, a history of anxiety, which I didn't know about until I started asking questions. Um, same as depression. I was like, hang on a second, how come we've never talked about this as a family? Um, but, you know, it's so prominent, like riddle, riddle throughout the family. Um, I think that's a classic like rural Taranaki thing, um, which you guys can probably appreciate as well. Um, And so, yeah, I think, I think diving back and, you know, my dad was a huge one and he's a very quiet, introverted guy. Um, But learning about his upbringing and how um, there was a huge amount of neglect in his upbringing um, and his mum tried to, well, uh, in front of him, tried to commit suicide a couple of times. 
and he was the one to to walk in on that and have to call the ambulance as a kid. Um, moving overseas, um, affairs within the family and those sorts of things. Like my dad's social support network was so poor. It's no wonder why he's such an introverted person the way he is. It makes so much sense to me and my sister, you know, learning about that. Um, and so, you know, it was like, well, if my, uh, for me, a massive thing is, you know, what tools can I provide to my future kids? Um, you know, that's something I've always thought about. You know, I want to set myself up in life as best I can to provide for my kids. Um, and so, you know, being able to create my own toolbox and then pass on to them is a massive um, part of why I created it as well. Um, so, yeah, that would probably be the other one. Awesome. Awesome, man. Just going back to how you were talking to your family and mm. talking about how mental health, your family and all that, I think to some culture, especially, you know, growing up with an Asian background, mental health can be seen as like a t- taboo topic. Mm. Have you got any recommendation or anything like that for people who might be on those kind of situations to break that kind of barrier? Yeah, yeah, I... I listen to your previous um, episodes and, and remember you talking about that. And um, yeah, I, I resonated hugely with that um, in terms of you know, mental health being taboo. Um, you know, growing up, it was definitely not something that I don't, yeah, as I say, I don't think I'd ever heard the terms, you know, mental health until I got to university. Um, and, you know, from our family or our community where I grew up in is like, if you had, a mental health issue it was like oh, you should be in the loony bin like yeah that was that that was the way it sounds horrible but that was what it, that was what it was um or only you know the people who you know had a bad life had depression for example um and so that it was just one of those things you never talked about so I, I think learning about it yourself as much as you can about yourself and then you know branching out to one person in the family and recognizing that you know Although they won't talk about it, as, as everyone, as I say, everyone has it, um, whether it's good or bad or, or what stage it's in at that point in time. Um, yeah, it, it, it is a tough, tough, or t- tough discussion to have. Um, mm. But the more vulnerable that you can be about your own mental health, you'll find that the people around you start to open up and, and you go, oh, we're actually in the same boat here. Um, and then you start to bounce off each other. And, and as I say, that kind of snowballs with everyone around you. Um, I know some general. There's going to be a massive generational aspect to it as well. Um, I think yeah, you know, yeah. those above me and my family, and it might be the same for you. Um, you don't talk about it because that shows weakness, which again I think you said in, in the last episode. Um, and for men in particular, that's a that's a massive no no. I mean, we don't go there because if if you know mentally you're not uh, strong, then that's failure, and we don't do that um, in our culture. Um, and so, yeah, it can be a very, very difficult one. And and sometimes you might not be able to to have those conversations. Um, you know, that person might not be ready to have that conversation, and that's fine. Um, but you might be able to plant those seeds, and along the way, they you might be able to you know broach it and, and make some headway with it. Cool, man. That's that's really cool to hear. Eh? just to hear it from other people's point of view, I suppose. And um. I Sorry, I was, just say, I was just going to say, sorry, I think initially one thing for me um, that I definitely didn't have in my toolbox, toolbox was being vulnerable. Um, and that's something I can't emphasize enough is, is that constantly remind myself that those difficult conversations are difficult for a reason. 
Mm. Um, and every time I've had one, I've come out of it feeling enlightened or, or released in some way is that it's, it's very hard to have in the moment. But once you've had it, the feeling afterwards is, is what you get, like you've been to the gym. Mm. You've just had a massive workout or you've just uh, landed a new job like that the elation that you get from having a really difficult conversation is there. Um, and the more I have it, the more it makes me want to have more of them if the situation um, uh, yeah, arises. Mm. Um, but yeah, that would be one uh, of those tools um, that once you start to get it with your family and your friends, it's like, oh, this is actually getting easier and easier. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Um, I'm also quite curious to know what your you were talking about toolboxes and the kind of tools that you have um what are some of your coping mechanism and any that you think works better for our audience who, who might be people of our age for example yeah yeah it's a good question um and it's one that i've definitely had to to rearrange and, and wipe over um you know month by month sometimes um it, you know in the last five years um if i was to look back and be like right what was in my toolkit five years ago i'd be i'd definitely be ashamed <laughs> um and shocked um uh, but now now looking back so like, well i'm actually really proud of, of um you know the, the different pathways that i've had to take myself um and, and what I kind of use now. Um, and saying that, there's still uh, still a massive way to go um, and, and the toolkit could go on forever. But as you say, you know, what, what works best for you um, and, and, you know, people our age or, or male in particular, um, that's all going to be very dependent on the on the person that you're talking to or about. Um, but personally for me, um, I've found that exercise is my number one. Um, and it's all, it was always... Uh, yeah football orientated or team team um, sport orientated um, for me being football um, but in the last two years I've actually started going to um, F45 um, and the reason I had never gone to a gym was because I was so anxious about going which I know a lot of people struggle with um, and I've actually talked to a group of people at F45 about this um, in like a presentation about mental health and uh, overcoming that and what's on the other side of that um, so yeah, exercise would be probably my biggest one. It's like a reset button for me. Um, so if I'm extremely anxious, it's like, right, first thing is, have I exercised today? And if I haven't, that's the first thing, you know, just drop everything and, and can I squeeze that in somewhere? Um, but I found, yeah, high intensity interval training to be absolutely massive for me. Um, I, I think weightlifting um, isn't, doesn't quite get the same response from me um, or, or for me, should I say. Um, so yeah, and I, I started doing you know, marathons during lockdown and whatnot um and that was sometimes really good and sometimes it made my anxiety 10 times worse because i realized i hate how much i hate running um so yeah i've kind of been that one for now um so but yeah exercise exercise would be number one for me um and recently uh, focusing on sleep um as i found that that's a, a massive reset button for me as well um and so yeah if something's wound me up the night before and i do struggle to sleep i find when i do get up in the morning it's like oh, you know, clear head off we go um and so even napping in the afternoon um that's something i've implemented recently as well um sometimes it can be counterproductive as i struggle to go to sleep <laughs> later in the night so you start overthinking things um but generally speaking it, it, that's been a, a, a recent one that i've added in or focused on a bit more mm -hmm. um being vulnerable as i said before um and being able to to 
be honest, not just to myself, but to other people about what's actually going on in my head. Um, and I, th I thought about this and I think the reason why that's actually quite helpful is that I'm able to articulate and express what I'm feeling and, and label the thoughts of what's going on. Um, and as soon as you do that, I think it, yeah, it, it, I'm not hundred percent sure, percent sure why or, or what happens, but it just seems to decrease all the symptoms of everything going on, um, when someone else knows about it, um, and as you guys know, in, in New Zealand, there's been a massive, you know, campaign to to talk about things, um, which has been good. But it's so easy to say that it's really hard to do. Um, I think that's the that's the point now that in New Zealand we kind of we're tilting towards. But you know, to be able to do that is difficult. Um, but that is a massive one that's been extremely helpful for me. Um, what else? In the last two years, um, tramping, hiking, sunsets. Um, I've added those to my toolkit um, and there was a period there where I didn't want to do anything else but go climb up a mountain um, so much so that my, my football team started giving me grief about it uh, asking me yeah, what mountain are you climbing this weekend uh, when, I should have been at, when I should have been at football um, but yeah I just, I just enjoyed um, I guess that leads into the next one which would be um, alone time um, and, and spending some time by myself to recharge um, and I found hiking I was able to do that and you know think things through to the end and not just for a short period um so yeah um yeah i guess that leads into for me something re learning recently is that um i think from the outside i appear as a massive extrovert um, um a lot of people yeah i appear confident and outspoken etc but on the end i think i'm a I'm an introvert who's learned to, to live in an extroverted world um, where yeah, I actually love my alone time and I, I recharge a lot when I'm by myself. Um, I think Simon Sinner explained it as an extrovert is someone who um, you know, wakes up with no coins and every social interaction they gain a coin, whereas an introvert starts a day with five coins and every social interaction they have, it, it takes away a coin um, and they need to recharge to get those coins back. Um, and that's something that, that that's um, yeah for me probably changes like daily. Like sometimes in my talk, it'll be it could be you know social interactions what I need, and then some days it's the opposite. And I just need alone time. So I've learned to be um, adaptive or, or malleable with with my toolkit. Some days sometimes you know I just want to go out and, and hang out with mates, and sometimes yeah as I say that that's probably the worst thing for me. Um, so yeah, that, that's a that's a strong one as well. Um, journaling, gratitude diary. Um, that's been one that I think has a lot of taboo around it. Um, as you know, when we think of journaling, it's like, you know, dear diary today, blah, 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 which has a lot of stigma in, in you know, American culture. Um, but yeah, I found that, you know, again, kind of like talking out in person, it's like, oh, cool, well, this is actually what I'm thinking. And once it's on paper, it, it makes a lot more sense as to why I'm thinking that. Um, yeah, so that's one I've, I've started recently as well. Cool, man, cool. Well, we just want to thank you for, first of all, being vulnerable with us and, and of course, sharing some of your journey and the um, coping mechanism that you have in those, in those tough times that our listeners may be able to benefit from using. Yeah, man, some, some awesome content uh, for our listeners to digest for a wee while um, as they wait for the second part of the interview, which is to come. So, stay tuned, people. Kakitiano.
and stay tuned for another thrilling chat with our bro Corey.